one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Project Egg Show. I'm your host, Ben Gothard, and today we have the honor of speaking with Brock Blake. How are you doing today, Brock? Good, Ben. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm so excited to uh, have this conversation with you. Thank you so much for carving out the time. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All righty. So I want to know, what is your story? <laughs> my story? Well, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, and being an entrepreneur uh, includes some of the, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Um, and uh, I started my entrepreneurial career right out of college. I won a, uh entrepreneurial competition and won $50,000. It's kind of like the TV show The Apprentice without the Donald Trump saying you're fired and all the glitz and glamour, but there were 100 entrepreneurs. They narrowed it down to 20, and at the end, they selected five and gave the five of us $50,000 that we could go and start a business. Um, so I was fortunate to be one of those five. Started a company early on called uh, Funding Universe where we were connecting entrepreneurs to angel investors and uh, realized that most business owners uh, are not – going to raise money from an angel or venture capitalist. But, um, most angels or VCs want to see the next you know, Uber or Twitter or Facebook or uh, these high-flying you know, tech companies. Most businesses across the U.S. are restaurant owners and landscapers and dry cleaners. And, and, um, and so after you know, a few years of growing that business and, and trying to make that work, we realized, you know, let's, let's shut down Funding Universe and start Lindio, where we were connecting these business owners to banks and lenders and helping them get 25000 or 50000 And uh, so we launched that in 2011, and we've been growing ever since. And there's been uh, there's so many stories. You know, that's the very, very shortcut version, but there's so many stories in between. And, and uh, I just love what I do. I love being an entrepreneur. I love helping small business owners. We call it Fuel the American Dream. Uh, you got millions of business owners that have this dream or passion, and uh, we are giving them the capital to help them do it. So that's my story. When you were younger, like before college, who yeah. were you? What, what kind of person were you? So I'm the youngest of six siblings. So there's five boys and one girl, and so growing up, um, man, we were we were all we always had a ball. Uh, we were playing football or basketball in the backyard or soccer and and uh, I ended up playing soccer in college because I just grew up like being the youngest you're fighting for everything uh, everything was a competition uh, every conversation turned into a competition and and so um, uh, my my I, I love that I love sports growing up um, I had a paper out since I was a little kid I've always been an entrepreneur trying to to sell, you know, I started my own lawn care business where I bought a bunch of scooters and sold them, and um, and uh, you know, I, I had, you know, my 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 parents, my mom is what who instilled the drive. She grew up um, with this, you know, single parent household, poor as can be, um, had to work her entire life since she was a little kid, um, and really instilled on us this drive. My dad's a people person. He just loves being with people and is, you know, and, and so he's kind of instilled this, you know, treat people the way they want to be treated. And, uh, so a great upbringing. I, I, uh, was fortunate, uh, to have the parents and the, the family that I had. 
moving into college, it seems like you're you're playing soccer in college. Yeah. How did that then lead you to entrepreneurship? Like where did that spark come from? Why did that appeal to you? Yeah, so um in college it's interesting. We I played at Brigham Young University at BYU and uh the co- the soccer program isn't um it's a semi-pro league, so it's it's not an NCAA program, which basically means that none of us had scholarships. Um so not only did we spend, you know, 20 to 30 hours a week, you know, with soccer and training and the weight room and all of that, but we also had, you know, all of our studies we had to complete and we had to work to pay for our school. Um and so it was just this it instilled this like I was juggling, you know, so many things at one time, um trying to pull it all together and make it work and that I I think is really kind of foundational to who I am as an entrepreneur. Um, believing I you know, you you know, I'm gonna identify the things that are important to you and I'm just gonna figure out how to get make it happen. Oddly enough, uh I was just talking about this to one of the other former, you know, soccer players is there's been I don't know, from that soccer program there's been a tremendous amount of entrepreneurs that have been widely successful. I'm I'm talking like twenty, twenty five entrepreneurs and and I and I and I would it'd be like crazy to do a case study or a documentary on all these entrepreneurs and why they became that way. But I think it was because we didn't have scholarships and we had to just be scrappy to figure out how to make it all work. I love that. I love that. And it seems like those skills of trying to balance everything, trying to be resourceful to figure out how to make that work, trying to manage your time effectively to get everything done. It seems like, that, I mean, that was prime training for entrepreneurship. It's oh, no prime question. Training. Uh, you know, and sometimes, you know, you drop the ball on this or that and you, you know, you, you don't show up for work or you miss, you know, a, you know, you do poorly on a test or practice goes horribly or whatever. But it, it and, and, and uh, for me, I got, I was married, um, you know, I got married my, my senior year. And so that was too, I felt this responsibility to, you know, provide for my wife. And um, it was definitely prime training. Uh, and it was challenging at the time, but I look back on it and I'm just so grateful for the experiences that I had. Sometimes the most difficult trials and challenges are the, are the ones that shape you the most. So that adds in a whole nother dynamic of, of you getting married because I feel like, and, and, and I'm not married, so you know I, I'm really going to look to your insight here, but it would seem like, it would appear to me that at that point, you know, that, that amount of uh, responsibility turns the, you know, I should be successful into I must be successful or I must figure this out. And, you know, it, to me, it turns that into a, from a should to a must. No question. Um, and fortunately, married the love of my life. My uh, my wife is amazing, and and she's been 100% supportive from day one. Just she's just all in, you know, believing, kind of saying, you know, you can do this, you can make it happen, and and never questioning. Like early on, we went through some tough times, and we we maxed out all of our credit cards. She came, you know, when we got married. She brought savings. She brought like five to ten thousand dollars of savings, and I didn't really have any savings. So I always like to say she was my first angel investor because she <laughs> she basically, you know, fund helped fund the business early on. And then I won this fifty thousand dollars, and but then we maxed out credit cards, and we we lived in my parents' 
home for you know a couple of years just during that time when you're you're eating you know macaroni cheese and ramen noodles trying to make it all work um and she never questioned uh and you know fortunately we we're on a pretty good track record now and and the business is really growing and so you know our lifestyles uh improved uh from that financial standpoint um and but she's just been there she's been a rock from day one and actually you know there was that pressure but it was also like we were a team we were going to make this happen together i love that you know as as somebody who's 24 now um i'm always thinking about uh, you know i'm thinking about like like choices of of a life partner and how important that is and how profoundly impactful that individual individual will be to you know to the to the future to the to the future of your life so i'm curious to learn what were you looking for in a partner what were you looking for in 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 your partner in crime for lack of a better term yeah i mean you know i think first off is is someone that shares your same values you know that what what's important to you um when all else is stripped away like what are your values what do you care about um, you know, we're a God-fearing family. We care about, you know, people and do, trying to do it the right way. And, you know, we, we're positive and optimistic and, you know, want to be happy. And, um, you know, we like to, we like to travel and, and, um, she's, you know, she also, so I don't know, it's, it's someone that really shares your same values. Um, someone that, you know, I just love being with, you know, if there was, if, when we're going on, we go on vacation to Hawaii or wherever and, and just someone with that, we can just hang out and have fun and, and enjoy our time together. Um, it was important to me. I mean, I wanted to have family and, and we have four kids now. Um, and I wanted someone who cared about that, who, you know, wanted to be a mom. You know, my, my wife is fortunate. She doesn't work. Um, and so she gets, she stays home and, and, probably does more work than I do at taking care of four kids. Uh, but that was important to me. So, I mean, to each person, you have to decide what are the things that you value the most and, and base that, you know, that that's a, it's a heavy decision, base that decision off to do your values align? Do you get along? Or, um, and, and if so, you know, are you committed to it? And cause just like being an entrepreneur, you know, as this isn't a marriage show, but, Marriage is the highest of highs and the lowest lows. It's hard, um, and but it's it's in, anything that's hard also brings incredible fulfillment. I love that. I love that. And to me, what's really fascinating and I think very meaningful is that one of the first things you talked about were the values, and you know that's kind of centric to your answer. Uh, and, and so I'm curious, and you talked about them a little bit. Um, so one could. Uh, one could surmise from what we've talked about thus far, but I really want to ask you directly, what are those values that you hold very, very dearly? What are those things that are the most important to you? Um, yeah. So, I mean, for me, there's a spiritual component that is really important to me. You know, like I said, God fearing man who, um, you know, believes, uh, in a higher power. Um, and so that's, that was, you know, important to me. Um, I think values of, um, my grandpa taught us always to remember who you are. And that basically meant 
you know, you got to represent not only yourself but your family with, you know, integrity and with character. Um, and uh, so that's a, that's something that is is really important to me. Um, I'm I am someone who um, believes in service and in like it's not all about you. Um, you know, in fact, you find the most joy and satisfaction in life when you're looking outside of yourself and you're looking at others and you're serving and you're figuring out ways to, you know, take care of other people. And um, that's that's really important to me. Um, and then I've one of the values, uh, this value of um, that I've carried with me my whole life and actually has been the foundation of the values for our company here at Lendio is this idea of humble hungry. Um, humble meaning... You know, you are you're a team player. You um, you know, you're not caught up with, in yourself. You um, are are open to feedback. You're not always right. You know, all those things. Hungry being, you know, I'm competitive. Uh, I want to win. You know, I like goals. I I uh, I uh, you know, you you like high five moments and celebrating, and you you know, you think big and you're audacious and and you've you know, you're bold and. So that goes combination of humble and hungry um, have served me really well in, in my life, and I'm pretty passionate about those. That's such an interesting combination of, of the, the humble, hungry. And something that I often think a lot about that I'd love to get your perspective on is the idea of being content with, with who you are and, and happy in who you are but also still having that drive to go out and improve and to, to work on yourself and improve yourself and do better. I feel like sometimes it can be kind of difficult to reconcile that. Like, oh, well, if I have to improve, does that mean, does that mean I'm not good enough now? Or, you know, does that mean I'm unworthy or that at that point then I will be worthy? And what is that point? So how, how do you reconcile the, this idea of, both being happy and and you know fulfilled and enjoying your life now, but also not losing that spark, that edge to keep going and getting better, better, better. Yeah. Um, so life hacks that I've learned. You know, I mean, for me, I think that happiness, that that self of that that the fulfilling of kind of self contentment comes from the lack of comparison with others, um, and so. You know, if people get caught up in, especially with social media these days, you get online and it looks like, you know, all these people around me are living this perfect life. You know, they, they only take a picture of the best things that ever happen, you know, or, or, you know, this amazing trip on the beach or whatever. And, and then you start to compare yourself to someone else. And that's where you start to put yourself down. And there's some negative feelings towards, towards yourself in that. And I think that if you remove comparison to others and focus on on self and and comparing yourself to your old self and just try and constantly trying to be better that brings this you're not going to be cocky but you're going to be like um content and you're going to feel you know um you're confident um and then and then i feel like the happiness uh so in that case you're looking just inside yourself and then the second scenario of happiness is again an interesting juxtaposition is is now i'm when i'm feeling sorry for myself that's the exact time when i'm actually need to look outside myself and go serve 
uh, go find someone who's having a, a worse day than you are, and how can you lift them up? And, even, and it could be simple things, but writing them a note or, you know, telling them they they, they look great, you know, or, hey, I love your haircut, or, or you know, maybe it's someone that is in real need, and you can go and reach outside yourself. And, and you know, the happiest people that I've found are people that are not so focused on themselves. Um, and uh, so... The lack of comparison and then getting outside yourself and serving. I, th- I love that. And, and I love the juxtaposition of, and, and, you know, kind of jumping on both sides and looking at them and, and trying to figure them out because I feel like a lot of people don't actually take the time to think about these things. And so we're just living with, we're living with it. I mean, we're going about operating and some decisions are, are, if we're not making them, they're being made for us. So I think it's so critically important to talk about these things because it gives, it could give somebody, you know, a, a code of operation. They could, they could be like, oh, I love that idea. I'm going to implement that in my life. So I'm, I'm so glad the conversation has, uh, has gone this way. Um, yeah. Let's talk about your, uh, your, your entrepreneurial career a little bit more. Let's talk about when you won that competition and you won that $50,000 how did you actually do that? Like, what were the steps you took to go in, identify what you needed to do for that, and win it? Yeah, so this was an eight-week boot camp. And so during that, those eight weeks, we had, we had to go raise money. You know, So at, we had to raise $5,000, which at the time is like, who am I going to go find $5,000 from? Um, we had to put together a, an event, a, a networking competition. We had to... Or, or a networking event, we had to uh, do a sales competition where we were trying to sell a product that we we weren't familiar with. And so, you know, every single week we were going through these competitions, and then each each week we also went through a four-hour kind of entrepreneur training class where they brought in all these entrepreneurs, all these experts, and taught us. And it was an incredible experience. Um, and at the end, you know, basically every single week you had a you basically were scored based on how you did. Um, and then there was a peer review, so all 20 would vote on other people. You couldn't vote for yourself. And then the program kind of directors had a kind of a vote. And at the end, the individuals with the most points or whatever, I can't remember exactly, um, you know, were the winners. Um, and so I was, it was ex- I was extremely fortunate because that money – allowed me it wasn't based on a certain business plan it was hey here's fifty thousand dollars why don't you go evaluate the market and try and decide what you want to do um and so i could use that in any way i wanted i could start a business you know i could buy a business you know there were different things like that uh to uh um and and so you know i i used that money to evaluate a bunch of different opportunities and decided to to launch funding universe and what specifically about that business model stuck out to you so much? Like why of all the other business models of all the other routes that you could have gone, why did that one really call to you? Yeah. So I, I almost bought a, um, an ice cream retail shop that I was going to franchise. Uh, I almost, uh, started this other guy idea. We were going to partner on, on a calendar that was basically, honestly, that what Google, uh, calendar is today. Um, that was the concept. It was a great idea. Um, and I looked at a few others. And the reason why I decided to go with Funding Universe is because 
as I was going out um, and talking to business owners and trying to decide what to do, it seemed like the consistent theme with every business owner that I spoke to was that they needed access to capital. You know, they had they were running their business, their restaurant owner, and they were they were juggling, you know, so many things trying to be a own that that restaurant or that retail shop or whatever it was. They weren't experts at getting a loan, and as I talked to them, I'd say, "Hey, what's your biggest challenge?" And almost every single time, it was, "I don't know how to get access to capital. I don't know how to raise money. I, I man, if I could use a hundred thousand dollars, it would make a huge impact on my business." And and so, because of the consistency and the re, the repetition of how often I heard that, I just felt like there was a great opportunity to go and solve that problem. So you actually went out into the community and you started asking people, hey, what do you need help with? You know, what are you struggling yep. with? Yep, exactly. That's brilliant. That's so, because <laughs> that's, that's the best market research there is. I mean, people are saying, hey, I, I literally cannot do this thing. Please help. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's I, awesome. I think that sometimes as, uh, as uh, entrepreneurs, you know, we come up with some idea, and the only people we ask to get feedback from are our closest friends and family. You know, and and what are our closest friends and family going to say? They're always, I mean, ninety five percent of the time, they're going to tell you whatever the idea is. You know, I want to go start a cold cereal restaurant. Oh, that's a brilliant idea! Everyone eats cold cereal, you know, and and so people are just going to tell you what you want to hear. And that's not the critical feedback you need to be able to start a business. You need to go out and talk to strangers and 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 people that have no interest in or don't even really know you and have no bias or benefit from telling you what you want to hear. Um, and then you can really, truly understand the market you're trying to serve. That's fantastic. So once you started that and you started to see that, most entrepreneurs are just, I believe you said that they're just not really a good match for, uh, for an angel or, or a VC. When was that turning point to where you were, you said, okay, this, I need to do something else. Like what, what was that, that defining moment there? Yeah. So we, we had built up funding universe, um, up to about 10 million in revenue. Um, and, and, what I realized is that, you know, a lot of the customers that came to us looking for financing, yeah, a very high percentage, I'm talking like 90% of them, were actually never going to raise money from an angel or ven- angel investor or venture capitalist. Um, as I mentioned, these are main street businesses. They don't need a million dollars or half a million dollars. They might need 25000 And so, you know, to try and build a business where 90% of your customers aren't a good fit, it was just like, it just wasn't, it wasn't the right business model. So we started thinking on nights and weekends, you know, how can we serve that customer base? And in February 2011, we, I mean, we, we started building up, you know, this concept around Lendio. And in February 2011, we shut down Funding Universe going from a million dollars of revenue a month to zero overnight. It went from 75 employees down to about eight. Uh, and basically started over um, with conviction. We, we knew 
that the demand for capital is high because we saw that. You know, many business owners were coming in asking for financing, um, and so we just thought if we can if we can switch to this debt model, helping business owners, you know, connect them to banks and credit unions and not and other lenders, we feel like that you know, that will be a lot scalable, a lot more scalable, and we'll be able to serve that, you know, much larger, that 90%. And so it was, that was painful, that transition, going from a million in revenue a month to zero, um, way more painful than we could have ever thought or planned. Um, but we had conviction around Lendio. Unfortunately, you know, now eight years later, uh, the decision has definitely paid off. Did y'all ever consider like expanding what funding you could do and like moving your customer base over to a more debt driven model? Like what was the, what were really the the different points of discussion as far as why you shut it down and, and started, started something completely new? Yeah, the reason why is because we had we had a customer base. Uh, I mean, a, a stream of customers that were coming to us on the funding universe side. Again, the majority of those looking for for debt financing, and so what we wanted to do is kind of redirect that customer base to Lendio, and so there wasn't like an ability to go and you know we didn't have the financial resources to say, okay, let's try and keep this one running over here and go and, and do this one. And, you know, I, a lot of people have asked me, well, why didn't you sell it or why didn't you? And, and maybe there could have been other routes, um, although, you know, we, you know, even today, I'm not sure today I would have, I would have done it differently. Um, there was a lot of pain, um, but I do feel like it gave us the best chance of being successful with the new, uh, with, with Lendio. So once you did start Lendio, how did what were those actionable steps? How did you grow it to the amazing business that it is as of you know August of uh, of 2019? Yeah. So uh, again, we we I like to say we probably made every mistake in the book in, in my entrepreneurial career, and, and I'm not kidding. We and and the key is you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but how do you how do you respond in a way where you don't make the same mistake twice? And how do you do that fast? So your, 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 your rate of learning is accelerated. Um, you know, so our path was, you know, first off, we had this customer base of small business owners coming in. You know, we had to go out and build relationships with lenders. So that was the first few years was, you know, let's go get out on the street and start talking to banks and, and tell them, you know, hey, we've got this stream of customers. They're looking for a loan. Would you like to lend to them and, and make that happen? Um, that was a, a lot harder than I expected it to be. Um, fortunately, though, once you get a bank on board or a lender on board, they stay with you for a really long time. And so we've we've pretty much not really lost any banks. As, um, and then, you know, for us, there was this learning curve of, in business lending, there's lots of different loan products. It's not just one loan product you're trying to do over and over and over again. There's lines of credit and there's term loans and there's SBA loans and credit cards. And so we had to go through this learning curve of for each product, what what are the data points that we need to pull together 
to know if that business owner is going to get funded. So we had to learn, you know, okay, we got to pull bank data and we've got to pull credit. And we need to look at their tax returns and we need to ask this question and that question and revenue and financials. And, and so there was this process of how do you even fund a loan? Like what, how do you do that? At first we started doing lead gen where business owner would come in, they'd sign up, we'd qualify it, we'd send it off to three or four lenders. And then, you know, we got paid whether the loan funded or not. Um, I never loved that model because I don't love the customer experience. Um, you know, the borrowers getting, you know, calls from different lenders and saying, you know, and, and so the borrowers is having to handle that whole customer interaction. In 2014, we actually changed the model where we handle the entire customer experience. The lender actually can't reach out to the bar- to the borrower and, you know, we'll help that borrower navigate the different lenders and which options they have. When we change that, going from lead gen to kind of the, the what we call marketplace and changing that customer experience, that's when our business has really taken off. And, you know, now we just barely crossed, you know, $1.5 billion of loans on our platform, you know, over 80,000 transactions on our platform. And so it's, I mean, it's been, it's been a ride going through that learning curve. As you've grown and developed these different businesses and you've gone through this journey and and all these different things that you've done, what have been some of the biggest lessons that you've learned that you wish you knew way back when, way back in the day? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we learned early on and again from making mistakes is we learned that it all starts with customer experience. Um, do you have a product or service that fills a customer need, and are you doing it in a way where the customer is a raving fan, where they will tell their friends about it and they'll refer customers to you? Will they come back to you again and again and again because the first experience was great? Um, that lesson was extremely valuable. It's like when you know that, everything else starts to come together. That's one. Um, Two, we, I really believe in building an amazing culture. Um, And I feel like if you take care of your team members, they will take care of your customers. And so, you know, our culture is, is based off of, again, humble hungry. We hire and fire to humble and hungry in those attributes. But we like like we talked about earlier around finding a you know a life partner, or um, we build our culture based off of values, um, and we want people that share those same values that are passionate about what we do, um, and we learned that the hard way. You know, early on you're just kind of hiring who you can get and the talent you can get, and kind of there's not really this screening mechanism of. I'm going to hire people that share my same values. Um, once we've been able to do that, you know, the, the team we have is just incredible, uh, amazing talent. And we, we definitely hire and fire to those values. Um, I don't know. There's so many mistakes I've made along the way. Like, you know, I've, I learned one time I, I ran out of money and I couldn't make payroll. That's a whole story. And I can tell, you know, there's learning experiences there. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've done, you know, 
made bad decisions that affected employees or made bad decisions around we're going to invest in a certain product and it didn't work out and um, a lot of you know I think we've messed like I said I think I've made every mistake in the book along that same journey learning those lessons how have you changed as an individual well you'd like to think that you're a lot more wise than now than than I was when I first started being a young entrepreneur I, you know one of the things that's changed for me is when I was a young entrepreneur I, I literally you know you go and you read all these magazine articles and you see these people on the front cover of Inc or Forbes or entrepreneur or whatever it is and you think I'm going to do that. I'm going to build a business. I'm going to sell it in a year. I'm going to ride off in the sunset in a Lamborghini and everything's going to be great. You know, and you just kind of have these dreams and and so I was at first I was building a business to sell it. Um because I was just thinking about that moment. And over time I I've completely changed my passion for building a business. Now I'm not building a business to sell it. I'm building a business that I hope will be a hundred year business. I wanna I wanna make long term decisions. I wanna build a business that is so valuable, that is serving our customers, where people love coming to work every day. And and guess what? I believe that if I do that, someone will come and give us an offer we can't refuse. Um but that's not what I'm aiming for. I'm aiming for build a great business and uh, serve your customers well, take good care of your employees. And those things, uh, and as long as I'm having fun, and as long as I'm not bored, and I'm not tired, or whatever, I'm going to keep doing that. Um, and, and, uh, and I love what I do. I love the idea of taking the long-term approach. And that's something that I vehemently believe in. Because, it, you know, and, and I was just speaking at a conference not too long ago, and we were talking about um, you know, working with people and taking the long-term approach to working with people. And I think that is absolutely the best way to do business because if you're going for the short term, you know, for example, um, let's say I was trying to, trying to sell a widget to somebody, right? And that was my only goal. And I was just thinking very short-term and transactionally. Well, I may fail at selling the widget and then the relationship's broken and you know, there's nothing else you can do at that point, right? Because of, yep. of the thinking. But if instead I go about building the relationship, then they can be a customer for many, many, many widgets or they could be a partner and help me sell widgets or I can help them sell whatever they're selling or an advisor or mentor, you know, anything and everything. So I love that long-term approach. And, you know, I, I try to preach that all the time. So I'm so glad that, uh, that, um, that the, the conversation, conversation went there. Now, what really shifted to where you thought that way? Like, where did that thought process come from? I think that you go through a learning curve where it's trial and error. Um, you know, you try some of these short-term decisions. I'm going to make this decision because it will help, you know, help drive revenue goals today. And yeah, you might hit your revenue goal today, or you might hit do what accomplish whatever that is. But then, the next day you have to recreate the wheel again, and it's it's actually you know I guess it's just that pain of making short term decisions and realizing that didn't work that well for me. 
Like maybe that day we won, but in the long run we're not going to win. And uh, and and then and then also seeing the benefit of okay, I'm going to go about this. I'm going to take the long-term approach. It's going to take me longer to make it happen. I might miss out on some short-term rewards, but in the long run, um, you're so much better. Your foundation is better. The 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 company morale is better because people see that people recognize like if you say you're going to be long-term focused or you're going to you have these values and then you go out and act differently than what you your stated values are now you lose all credibility you're now a hypocrite um and so it is just basically trying to do what we said we were going to do um and uh so i think it's it's just that learning curve of you know who are we really? What are the values we're built off of? You know, trial and error. What are the mistakes we made? And what, do, you know, what do we think? How do we think long term? What are we really trying to build here? And then act to make that happen. I love that. So now you're here. And we talked a little bit about how you got here and where you actually are. Um, but let's talk about where you want to go. Like, what do you see as far as the future for uh, your business, for yourself, for your family? Yeah. So for Lendio, I mean, we, we feel like we're just getting started. Um, this is an enormous market. There's millions of small business owners out there that need help getting access to capital. Um, we're excited about expanding the brand and, and trying, you know, being kind of a household name and, and we are the largest marketplace in the U.S., but we, we, we feel like we're just scratching the surface on that. Um, we also just, uh, you know, part of building a relationship with our small business owners is we, we as we were talking to a lot of our business owners, um, many of them said, as, and we, we were looking at their financials and we were like, man, your financials are kind of a mess because they're, they're so busy trying to run their business, they don't have time to become a bookkeeper or an accountant or whatever. And um, we, we started doing some surveys and realized that 70% of our customers are, don't have any really good bookkeeping or accounting. And so we just announced a few weeks ago the acquisition of a, 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 a cash flow bookkeeping technology we're calling Sunrise. And basically what that allows us to do when a business owner comes in, they need a loan. Hey, we also identified your, you know, you probably need help with your financials. We have a free product and an upgrade product and whatnot. So I'm, I'm really excited about the ability to combine lending, uh, let's help you get a loan when you need it. But when you don't need a loan, let's help you manage your finances. And so to, to, to help you be a better entrepreneur, like I, I, I get super passionate uh, about that. Um, and so, you know, for the future, you know, I see one day where a business owner, you know, is, it's not there yet. The lender, you know, between lender technology and other things, it's just not there yet. But I see a day where I call it an always on application where a business owner never really has to go and apply and fill out an application. Like today, there's a pain in, in doing that, you know, and giving all the information. What if you had enough data on that business owner that it's always on? At any time they need it, they can just go to their mobile and say, I need $20,000, click here, and, you know, they get it. Or, you know, I, I need to buy a piece of equipment, you know, boom, I need it. You know, because we, we already have visibility into their financials, and and uh, and, and so I, I get really excited about that concept um, and be 
being able to take our business to be able to do that, to help that business owner when they, when they need it most. That's fantastic. And uh, what, what about for yourself and for your family? Um, you know, I, I'm passionate, you know, this, I'm passionate about leaving a legacy. Um, you know, I want to build a great business that serves the community. Um, you know, if there's a, if there's a financial, you know, payday at the end of that rainbow, you know, I want to be able to, to, uh, leave a legacy. I want to be able to do good in the community. I want to be able to give back. I want to be able to serve people. I, I want to be able to invest in other businesses and, and kind of have this force multiplier effect and, um, you know, I, I want to, um, not for any self anger, you know, kind of promotion, but I, I, you, I just, I see these other entrepreneurs that have done really well and I see some that take it and they're, and it's extremely kind of selfish and all about me and I'm going to have the biggest house on the top of the hill and buy all these fancy cars. And I mean, there's a place for that, but also I see the ones that are, you know, trying to advance the cause of cancer, you know, my mother passed away of cancer and, you know, I'm passionate about trying to solve for that or, or just being able to use that money to do good. I feel like you, if you, if you generate an income, you now have this stewardship. You, you are over this income and what can you do with it? You know, how can you help people? Um, what problems need to be solved? Um, and I'll just share one, one, uh, I listened to Richard Branson, uh, the founder of Virgin, speak one time, and I loved this concept. He said, you know, in life, you, you know, at, you, you, you are first and foremost trying to figure out, take care of yourself. Like, you know, I'm, I'm eating right, and I'm exercising, and I'm, 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 just, I'm, I'm in a good spot, you know. And then, all of a sudden, you expand your circle of influence, and now you're starting, you know, you, maybe it's your family. Um, okay, now i got to make sure i got taken good care of my family. And then, you know, expand your circle of influence, and now you're looking at your neighborhood. And, you know, are you helping the lady on the, you know, the, the elderly lady down the street um, and taking good care of them? And, and then you're expanding to your community and then your state and then your nation. And, and he's like, and he said, you know, now I'm in a situation where, you know, people know who I am. I've made enough money. I'm actually working on world problems. Um, and he mentioned some of the world problems that he's trying to solve. And, and, you know, he's going to space and he's doing all these crazy things. And I'm like, I just love that. That's so cool. You know, that, um, people do who, who just, it's not just about them. That's, that's fantastic. You know, hearing you say that, it reminds me a lot of, uh, of John D Rockefeller. You know, I, I'd like to study successful people and, yeah around roughly his 50s, partially because of his health, um, but a lot of the, his health concerns were because of so much stress from running Standard Oil. Uh, and he actually yep. switched um, predominantly to to philanthropy. And he started focusing not as much on making money, but uh, you know on spending it and, and investing it and doing good in the world. And I, I totally agree with that. I, I totally agree with that. And I, and I think the more people that, think like we do and and you know the people we've we've been talking about uh, i think that makes for a better world and you know we're all part of humanity like you know yep. we're, we're all humans so at the end of the day it really does help everybody and um yeah makes for makes for a better world so no you know, question so brock i want to thank you so so much for uh for coming on the show today and and sharing some of your uh precious time uh, with me today. It's been very special and I, and I just want to thank you. 
Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I, I, I love what you're doing. I appreciate the show and all the stories that you're telling and that deserve to be told. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. So just have one more question for you, then we'll wrap it okay. on up. Um, I'm 24, and yep. I want to ask from my perspective specifically, uh, and I want to get your perspective specifically, uh, but what question should I be asking you that I just wouldn't think to ask? Um, well, along these same themes, this for this show, uh, the same question I would have for every show, but um, what's it like being an entrepreneur and trying to have a family? Um, you know, I think that there are millions of entrepreneurs out there that are juggling trying to be the best dad they can be or the best mom they can be or the best spouse they can be, or the best partner they can be, or whatever their scenario is. But it's hard because um, you, you feel like day-to-day, man, I, I have – at Lendio, we, we have 225 employees um, that you know are all kind of calling for your time, and you have a board, and you know you have these partnerships, and you're trying to run a business. And yet, you know, I care about – I've got a son who's 13 and three girls, you know, 12 and 10 and, and 5, and – they have their dance recitals and they have their soccer games and I'm helping to coach football and you know that um, I think it's a real life challenge that uh, one day, when I was early on in my career I, I was trying to raise money from a venture capitalist the venture capitalist and he asked me about myself and I said hey father you know husband really passionate about being a dad he said you need to choose. You're either going to be, I've never seen someone be a successful CEO and build a great business and be a great dad. So you need to choose. And in that moment, right then and there, I knew that guy was not the right partner for me. And I've also remembered that conversation from day one. And I'm set to prove him wrong. Um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not a great CEO and a great father yet, but I, that's my mission in life is to be both. Um, and I'm striving to do that and, but it's a balance. Well, again, Brock, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and, uh, to everybody who's watching and listening, I want to thank y'all very, very much. Um, you know, your, your time is very valuable too. So I'm grateful that y'all choose to share it with us today and, uh, stick with us all the way till the end. So thank you very much. Um, I love y'all. Y'all are the reason that I do this show. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I will see you on the next episode.